hoop. Amen? So I pray that uh, the Lord's been dealing with you in the weeks past, months past, years past, and you've neglected to make your decision to know that you know that heaven is your place in heaven. Pray that today be your day, okay? As you can tell, Bethel Baptist Church has been in a construction zone for some weeks now. We've been constructing Christian character. But before I begin tonight, or this morning, I want to uh, tell you about a woman that I read about who was at work when she received a phone call from her babysitter. And this babysitter told her that her daughter was very sick with a fever. And so she left immediately but had to stop at the pharmacy on her way home. She got back to her car and realized she had locked her keys in the car. Frantically, she called the babysitter and she told her what happened. And the babysitter said that the fever was getting worse. She better find a way to get her tail home. So the woman began to pray. She prayed for God's help. And when she opened her eyes, lo and behold, her eyes beheld a rusty old coat hanger laying right there beside her car. She picked it up and then she realized that she didn't know how to use it to open the lock. So she prayed some more. And when she opened her eyes, she saw a dirty, greasy, bearded man wearing a skull cap and riding a Harley coming her way. The woman looked up to God and said, Is this who you've sent to help me? The man got off his Harley and he asked her promptly if he could help. And she said, Yes, my daughter's very sick. And when I stopped here at the pharmacy, I locked my keys in my car. I got to get home. Is there any way you might could use this hanger to unlock my car? And he said, well, sure. And within one minute, he had that door open. She hugged him and through her tears, she said, thank you so much. You are such a nice man. And he said, no, ma'am, I am not a nice man. I was just released from prison. I did eight years for car theft, and I've only been out about an hour. The woman hugged the man again and through her tears she said, Oh, thank you, Lord. You even sent me a professional. <laughs> like I mentioned, we've been in a construction zone. We've been constructing Christian character. God's word has been teaching us about practices that we got to add to our faith so that we can live in harmony with God's will. Just as we need different building components like concrete and lumber and drywall and shingles to build a house, so too does 2 Peter. Up, oh, kid's corner. Man, I'd have been shot. Thank you. Who reminded you? <laughs> Thank you. Kid's corner. Whew, man, that would have been bad news right there. I'd have been shot by at least one, huh? <laughs> Amen. But God's word has been teaching us about these things that we got to add to our faith. And, and as we uh, think about building supplies, building components that we build a house with, so too does the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 tell us that there are components that we need to add to become well-constructed Christians. In 2 Peter chapter 1, you may want to follow along beginning in verse 5. The Bible says that while we are exercising our faith, 
we are to become morally excellent. And while becoming morally excellent, we're to increase in knowledge. And as we increase in knowledge, we begin to develop self-control. And as we're developing self-control, we build up our perseverance. Now, as we build up our perseverance, we're going to be growing in godliness. And while we're growing in godliness, we're going to add brotherly kindness. And while we're adding brotherly kindness, we're going to be magnifying Christian love. And Peter says that if these traits are yours, and if these traits are increasing in your life, he says that you'll be productive and you'll be useful in the kingdom of God. You see, friends, to construct Christian character, one is first saved, like Brother Tom said. One is first saved. He stakes out the foundation of God's property. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. saved. Amen. It's right there in the Word. Stake out the foundation of God's property. Then that's what we call faith. And that faith is how we receive the salvation God offers, that wonderful gift that Brother Tom mentioned. But then as God's power comes into our lives, then we are to separate ourselves from the old sin and separate ourselves unto God. And that is the building block of separation. That's moral excellence, the building block of separation. Then one begins to grow in the knowledge of God's truth. And as we grow in God's truth, we're set apart. We set ourselves apart to become a positive influence for God. That is knowledge, the building block of sanctification. And then last week we learned that, that when we unselfishly give God control of our lives, when we give Him the control of our lives, then we are released to serve other people, namely children. Friends, that is self-control, the building block of service. Today, whether you ride a Harley, whether you ride a Honda, whether you ride a tricycle, you need to know that you can move forward in constructing Christian character, but you must add perseverance. And perseverance is the building block of suffering. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, I'll tell you why. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, Peter writes, Beloved, do not think that it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He is blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. For if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will then be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Let us pray. Father God, we come humbly before you to help us to understand this one thing that we all have in common in our lives, this building block of suffering. Lord, we love you today. We ask for your spirit to teach us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I read once that you can't have a testimony unless you first have a test. You can't have a testimony for God unless you've first gone through a test. And I believe that that's so true. Whenever we're forced to endure a test, whenever we're forced to endure a trial, we ought to consider them as part of the testimony God is building in our lives. It's a test to build a testimony. And persevering through that trial, persevering through that test is absolutely critical to the success of your Christian life. I'm fond of and have been reminded often of what Winston Churchill said as Hitler and Nazi Germany prepared to bring World War II to England's doorstep. He said, we must never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never give in in anything great or small, in anything large or petty. Never give in except to the convictions of honor and good sense. Never give in. Friends, that was the kind of spirit that prevailed in World War II. And I want to tell you this morning that that is exactly the same kind of spirit that prevails in the Christian life. Peter said, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that come your way. Just like heat is required for fire, so too is suffering required to develop Strong Christian character. Friends, every single person who follows Jesus, every single one either has, is, or is sure to go through and experience this building block of suffering. So I want to look with you today at four elements, four elements of suffering, four elements that will fight while you and I are in the heat of the battle. The first element is the sureness of the heat. Again, verse 12, beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. For some reason, somehow we've come to the place today where we preach the gospel, to where uh, we ask somebody to give their life to Jesus, they walk down the middle aisle, and then we tell them, either in word or in attitude, now your life is going to be the greatest it's ever been. 
In one respect, that's so true. No life is sweeter than a life that's truly lived to serve Jesus. But if you're promising people, either through word, through attitude, if you're promising people that by becoming a Christian, all their troubles are going to be gone, you're telling them a big fat lie. Because just the opposite is true. Just the opposite is true when you're saved by faith in Christ through through this building block, salvation through faith. When you're saved that way, the promise is this. Fiery trials are coming your way. You may say, wow, is that all I got to look forward to? But you've also got the help of the one who can bless you through the fire. Back about 20 years ago, for 81 straight days, a forest fire raged through Yellowstone National Park. That forest fire scorched 1.6 million acres of that park. But today, if you go back, Yellowstone National Park is more lush, is more bright, is more brilliant than she's ever been. Did we want her to be burned? Did we want her to experience the scarring of that fire? No. But when it happens, she comes back stronger. When it happens, she comes back cleaner. When it happens, she'll come back brighter than ever before. You too can pull through with great strength and great brilliance when you endure through suffering, when you persevere. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but suffering is coming. Suffering is coming, so we need to decide beforehand Are we going to endure it? Or are we going to become bitter because of it? Decide today how you're going to persevere through suffering. You see, that's what happens to most of us. When suffering comes our way, we get all mad. Anybody ever got mad because you're suffering? Am I the only one? There's uh, Troy, that's two. All right, just two, just two religious ones, two right, right ones. Ever get frustrated because you're suffering? Ever get bitter? Lord, why are you picking on me? You ever get irritable because of your suffering? You ever want to take revenge? You don't deserve that. Surely you can get them back. But you got to decide how you're going to respond. How are you going to respond to that suffering? It's coming. But here's one thing you can know as Christians. As children of God, you can know that God will use it for good. God will use it for good. So then after accepting the sureness of suffering that comes to us all, then I believe that we're led to examine the source, the source of the heat. Where in the world does suffering come from? 
What is the source of this heat I'm enduring? Well, I believe that that heat comes from one of four places. I don't have to tell you that Satan is a likely source of the heat. In the book of Job, we read that Satan went after him to apply the heat. In Luke 13, 11, we read that there was a woman bent over who couldn't even straighten up. And the Bible says that her physical affliction came from a spirit of infirmity, namely the devil. In fact, in verse 16, Christ Jesus said that Satan had bound this lady for 18 years. Suffering can come from Satan. Not all of it does, but some of it can. But personal sin is also a source of the heat. If you're a murderer, guess what? You're going to suffer for it. If you're a thief, you're going to suffer. If you are an evildoer, you're going to suffer for it. And the Bible even says that if you're a busybody, sticking your nose where it ain't got no business, you're going to suffer. Be careful. I know most of, mostly men have that problem, amen? Mm-hmm. I hear you. But can I tell you that personal sin literally is an invitation for suffering? Personal sin is an invitation for personal suffering. In fact, most of the time I think that people bring on their own suffering. Not always, but sometimes. So Satan does it and our personal sins do it. But suffering is also the result of this sin-cursed world that we live in. This sin-cursed world is a source of the heat. Earthquakes, fires, floods... All kinds of hurricanes and tsunamis and tornadoes and famine and disease. All these things cause suffering. Why? Why are they here? Well, uh, Dorothy, we don't live in Kansas anymore. This earth that we live in, this earth that we live in is no longer the perfect Garden of Eden that God created. Why do innocent children suffer illnesses, starvation, and disease. It's not because of their sins. It's not because of something they've done. It's not because of something their parents have done. This suffering comes because we live in a world that's cursed with sin. It's cursed with sin, and oftentimes, without rhyme or reason, it attacks us and those whom we love. It's a nasty place we live in, this sin-cursed world. We are simply a part of this imperfect and fallen world. But there's another source, and I believe that the fourth source is our spiritual devotion to God. In Proverbs 17, verse 3, the Word of God says that the refining pot is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Did I read that right? The Lord tests my heart. The Lord tests the hearts. When we're spiritually dedicated, completely devoted, sold out for the Lord Jesus, when we begin to include this building block of suffering, we'll learn to endure. We'll learn to persevere, and we'll learn to know that the test can come from the Lord. And when it comes from the Lord, it's for His good and for our blessing. You need to know that the Lord will never tempt you. 
but he will test you. That much is certain. There are times of suffering that come straight from the hand of God. Are they designed to hurt you? Are they designed to cause you pain? Are they designed to afflict you? No, they come to strengthen you. They come to build your faith. They come to make you obedient. They come to make you better. Sometimes they come straight from the hand of God. And when they do, you'll never have to wonder if that test is coming from God or not. Because a test that comes from God, when God sends the heat, it always comes according to his word. And it always comes in a way that will bring him glory. You need to know that today. Suffering's coming. It comes from various places. But you need to know that we can survive. We can survive the suffering. How am I to survive in the midst of trials? How in the world can I get through? Can I even make it? Sometimes I've wondered, but I want to share with you five quick steps that you can take to help you persevere through suffering. And while you're walking through these steps, if you'll just trust our Creator, trust the Lord God as we walk with all of our heart, He promises that He'll be there with you. The first step you can take to help you persevere your suffering is to remember your vision. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to be? we can just maintain our focus if we can just maintain our focus on his vision then we can persevere because we know that we're in his will and as long as we're there there's no better place to be remember your vision number two revisit your goals have you ever thought about anybody know what a bucket list is huh everybody knows what a bucket list is those things that you'd like to do before you kick the bucket amen what kind of goals do you have what kind of goals do you have for your life? God will often use those goals. He'll often use those goals to teach you endurance, to teach you perseverance, to teach you how to endure through suffering. You may not reach your goal in any other way than going straight through suffering. But the promise of God is this. He'll go with you through the fire. He'll go with you through the fire. Number three, we need to learn to relax in the Lord. That's a great step to help us learn perseverance, to relax in the Lord. Stress and tension, anybody ever experienced stress? I know one of you have. Miss Teresa, I know you have. I've been there. Everybody's experienced stress and tension. Well, I want to tell you that stress and tension are enemies of perseverance. And when we allow excessive stress to invade our lives, you know what happens? You begin not to trust God's direction. When you allow stress and tension to enter your life, you begin to not trust God's timing. And you start taking things into your own hands. In Psalm 37, David wrote this so that he would learn to relax in the Lord. He wrote in verse, 30, or verse 1 of chapter 37, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, 
For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. Rest. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Relax in the Lord. But another step to help with your perseverance is to recommit to your relationship with the Lord. Recommit. That's what Brother Tom's done. He's recommitted his relationship with the Lord. And he's beginning to become exceedingly glad and joyful because of it. The greatest accomplishment of suffering is that it will drive you to your knees. When you know there's nothing else you can do, then you go to the only one you know who can do. We can't survive the heat without a personal walk with the Savior. Suffering has that uncanny ability to just draw us and help us to seek help from God. Last, last step to persevere your sufferings is we need to learn to rely on our friends. You have friends who have already endured the same suffering that you've endured. You know people who have endured the same sufferings that you're going through today. Are you relying on your friends? Are you leaning on them for help? God has people everywhere. He has people everywhere, and they can assist you through the suffering if you'll rely on them. So we've identified what suffering will come. We've identified and we've looked at the sources and, and how they will survive in the heat of suffering. But last, and I'll close, why? Why have we got to suffer? Why is there suffering? brings me to the sovereignty of the heat. Verse 13. But friends, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When we suffer and when we persevere, God's glory will be made in us and God's glory will be shown through us. And when God brings us through the suffering, and you know He's going to, we'll be able to rejoice. And you'll be able to say, Hallelujah, to God be the glory. P.S. I'm sure glad that I'm done with that. Amen. But the only, the only way to experience that joy and that rejoicing and that gladness is to keep pressing on. To keep pressing on. We've got to learn to persevere with hope. Learn to persevere with rejoicing while you're bearing the burden. That's hard to do sometimes. But that's what perseverance is. Perseverance is enduring the struggle patiently. Anybody here got more patience than you need? I don't know if you can, amen. 
But that's what perseverance is, is enduring the struggle patiently. You know, we can't ever fill or come to the full point of our potential unless we've gone through some suffering. We have to learn. I mean, think about every outstanding Christian you know. Think about every excellent missionary, every excellent preacher that you've ever heard of. If you were to ask them, they'll confess to you that they are not able to be where they are unless they had walked through the fire. It's a building block of our lives. Think about Moses. Endured the wilderness for 40 years, yet he persevered. Think of Joseph. Sold into slavery, imprisoned unjustly, yet he persevered. Think of Job. Lost his fortune, lost his family, lost his health, yet he persevered. And last but certainly not least, think of the holy Son of God, Jesus Christ, who endured a criminal's cross for you and I. And yet he didn't stop until his mission was finished. He persevered the suffering. Will you persevere? Will you add perseverance, this building block of suffering? Will you add it to your faith? Will you add it to your moral excellence? Will you add it to your knowledge and your self-control? Some of you may be thinking about giving up this morning. You may be thinking about giving in with your life. You may be thinking about giving up on your marriage. You may be thinking about giving up on serving your church. You may think you've had all you can stand. God's word to you is persevere. Endure. Don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Persevere. And He promises that when you do, when He's glorified in you, you will be glad. Glad with exceeding joy, the Bible says. For friends, consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So often we want to be refined without the fire. So often we want the beauty without the scars. So often we want the victory without the battle. But God shines the brightest when we've walked through the fire with Him. Would you like to know that God will be with you through the fire? He tells us that if we belong to Him, He'll walk through the fire with us. And the only way that we can belong to Him is through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Experiencing the fire this morning? Need a little help? Need someone greater than yourself to walk with you through the fire? Want to give yourself to Jesus Christ? Let God the Father help you. That's His promise to you if you'll make that choice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm so glad that you give people the opportunity to call you Father. And I'm glad to know, Lord, that when the heat of the fire gets too hot, we can just call out on Daddy, come help me. And your promise is that you will. You may not take us out of the fire, but you'll walk with us through it. And Lord, I'm grateful that when I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, Lord, you sent your only son so that I could walk through the fire with my God. Lord, I pray if there's a soul to be saved this morning, that as Brother Tom mentioned, Father, they wouldn't let nothing else put them off. If there's somebody that's been thinking about it for a while, Lord, don't let them wait anymore. Lord, help them to step out, step up, and allow me to show them what the Word of God says about an eternal relationship in heaven with you that's only available through Christ. Father, as always, this invitation belongs to you, and I pray that you would give that still, soft whisper to the one who's in desperate need of hearing a word from you. We love you so. We praise you for your word. And we thank you that you'll be with us through suffering. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Sing. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the